All right, hello and welcome uh, to another episode of the Heart of Flesh podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. I am joined once again here by my friend James Kayser. Um, James, you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, thanks for having me on the show again, Jackson. Uh, my name is James Kayser. I'm a fifth-year senior at NDSU playing football right now, finishing up uh, my engineering degree, uh, living in Fargo with my wife, Gracie. Uh, I've known the Lord for about two and a half years now, so I'm a little baby Christian, um, but the <laughs> Lord has worked um, so much in my heart, and I'm excited to be able to talk with Jackson today about uh, the implications of the gospel on our life. Yeah, I think as we um, as we kind of talked about last time too, like we were kind of had a similar journey in college and both came to faith in Christ around a bit of a similar time, um, and just what a what a blessing that was to have um, just friends who, and fellowship and community to talk about spiritual things with and just to encourage each other. And, um, that was just a big blessing. Yeah. The other day I was just joking with my wife. It sometimes seems as though like the Holy Spirit is contagious. Like it was like during that time of football when there was three, four five guys who came to Christ within a couple months and it was, yeah. yeah, Awesome. Fun times. Praise God. Yeah. But anyway, you know, here we are this morning, um, a couple years after that and, and doing this podcast and uh almost miraculously uh you know we're sitting here this morning and there was when i went to bed last night the weather forecast was like really bad uh it was supposed to be like bad bad snow and um luckily there was no snow but a little bit of rain and i was still worried that the malibu wasn't going to make it over here (laughs) (laughs) and i was gonna have to come dig you out of a snowbank or something but but by the providence of god we did make it so here we are um and we the plan for today, so we've kind of been doing uh, a series talking about um, the gospel and, and some different impl- implications of the gospel, our, our need for the gospel, mm-hmm. uh, what the gospel actually is, what it accomplishes for the believer in Christ. And now, in today's episode, we kind of want to talk about what are the implications of the gospel for our lives? Mm-hmm. W- what does the gospel mean for us, essentially? How does it affect um, the way that we live? You know, what, what does it look like also uh, to, to live a Christian life, um, to, to live in a godly way, uh, you know, biblically kind of what does that look like? And then and then at the end of this, um, you know, we, we kind of want to, you know, I really feel like we missed something if we didn't talk about uh, the role of, of the Holy Spirit in this. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we forget that we serve uh, a triune God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we serve a God that's a trinity. And Father, Son, and Spirit all have roles in the work of our salvation. Mm-hmm. And, and often we neglect the work of the Spirit. And we are we are going to talk a bit about that. Um, so as we jump into that, you know, when we talk about implications of the gospel, I think one of the first and most obvious ones, uh, and, and we're going to look at some some scriptures that I think kind of back this up too, but, but when we understand the gospel, when we understand the, the grace of God, uh, when we understand that you know, it, it was an absolute requirement that, that we, we had to have Christ for this to happen. Mm-hmm. The, like the work of Jesus in, in both <coughs> living a perfect life and in dying in our place, uh, paying for our sin, that was an absolute necessity. Um, we had no power within ourselves to, to work out our own salvation. Mm-hmm. You know, all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And the first implication of, of, the, of that gospel is that we should be uh, people marked by great humility. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should be the most humble people on the earth. If if we understand uh, the nature of the gospel and the nature of our of our position apart from Christ, mm-hmm. then then we should be really two things. We should be extremely humble and extremely grateful to God as well. Yeah. Um. And you know when when we, you know, kind of when we read the New Testament, we see that this is like like in a lot of places when Paul explains the nature of the gospel, he follows it up or, or includes in it somehow the idea that there is no boasting for us in the gospel. The, 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 the salvation that um, that is accomplished was accomplished by God on our behalf and for us, not by something that we've done. And we talked a bit about that, but we're going to go to a few. You know, in the last episode, we talked a lot about uh, this passage in Romans 3, how, how the righteousness of God has been made known to us, um, how we have redemption through Christ Jesus 
in Romans 3.25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Mm-hmm. And so Paul kind of, kind of goes through it quickly there. And then in verse 27, he asks this rhetorical question. He says, then what becomes of our boasting? What becomes of our boasting? Is there, is there room for us in this gospel to, to boast in ourselves or, or to boast in our, our godliness and our own works? And he answers the question. He says, it is excluded. It is excluded from the gospel, the idea that we should boast in something. Mm. Um, and as we look at, you know, that, that's one example. And I just want to show you a little bit how, kind of how pervasive this is. Um, another example is Ephesians 2. Yeah, and that's, I, can, I can read that quick. Yeah. Ephesians Go 2, uh, starting in 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man can boast. Yeah. Boom. I mean, it's yeah, it's another example. You see how kind of how pervasive this is. And I mean, I, I think of another example is First Corinthians one. Paul talks about how uh, the the message of the cross is foolishness to to unbelievers, to those who are perishing. It doesn't make sense according to the to the wisdom of the world. And it doesn't even, you know, at kind of at the end of that chapter, he talks about how like it's not just f- it's not primarily for the the smart people of the world. It's not primarily for the strong people of the world or the powerful people of the world. But he says to the Corinthians, he says, Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. And then this part, so that, no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And, you know, when we think practically about this and how this, I mean, affect, affects the way we live, one, it, it should humble us greatly we, we should live in great humility not necessarily you know we, we should look at ourselves rightly mm-hmm. we should look at ourselves as the bible describes us um, being sinners uh, rebels against god prone to those sort of things but we should also have great hope and trust in god mm-hmm. uh, because of what he's done yeah. and, and when we look at you know where our, our, our hope and our identity lies it, it's okay for us to know uh we are not crushed by the fact that um, the Bible talks about us as, you know, being being stuck in sin in certain ways, because God has so loved us and so redeemed us from that, and He, and He had, uh, by by the work of Christ, He adopts us into His family. Um, he He gives us His Spirit, he does all of these things. So we have, first of all, uh, the ability to view ourselves rightly, but also to have great hope and trust in God and to know that we are loved by God Mm -hmm. and that that should form really the basis of of our identity it should form really the really the basis of of who we are Mm -hmm. knowing that we are loved and accepted by God because of the work of Christ yeah I think a term that we throw out often is like the grace of God grace and peace Paul opens a lot of his letters with now now what is grace Um, uh, an easy definition of it is just like the unmerited favor of God towards man unmerited not earned and when you recognize that that there was nothing that you did for god to inherently love you there was nothing um particularly special about you um you were dead in your sins and god chose because of his grace and his mercy and and his love to save sinners Mm -hmm. his enemies he saved you yeah and that should make you fall to your knees and praise god i know there's been been times in my life where I've just had had blessings and I've seen God's shown favor in my life and I've literally wept over the fact that I don't deserve this yeah. like why God are you have first you given me salvation but then all of these blessings as well in my life and, and it's humbling and oftentimes I, I fall away from that as well but there has been moments where the spirits led me to fall to my knees in, in repentance and awe of what God has done in my life and like you said, it, it leaves no room for the boasting of man, yeah. um, even though we fall back into that trap quite often. Yeah. Um, but when we reflect on the gospel, it should 
it should minimize that for sure. And I think, I think Sam said this in one of his podcasts, Sam Parada. Um, like when we die, we're going to find out that our view of God was much smaller than it was supposed to be. And our view of man was much bigger than it should have been. Yeah. Yeah. The Yeah. Even our view of ourselves. And, yeah. um, often we can just be, we, we are extremely prone to having a higher view of ourselves yeah. than we ought to. And, and that's just part of our human nature. And I think that's, you know, that, like in here, that's one reason the gospel is the way that it is because, yeah. because of our, uh, tendency towards, towards a wrong kind of pride yeah. and, um, and God has specifically orchestrated the gospel in such a way that we have no room for that. And, and Paul makes sure to include that. And he makes sure to know that when we think about the gospel, that, that there's no room for, for our boasting. Yeah. Right. And the second part of that whole equation, and you, and you kind of mentioned this too, but this should lead us to, to great gratitude towards God. Mm-hmm. And, and we can live in that in every day of our lives because we, we can understand that, that, um, for our sin, what we deserve from God actually is death and separation from God. Mm-hmm. And the Bible makes that clear. You know, we talked about the fall of man in Genesis three. Um, and you know, even Romans six twenty three. that's, that's affirmed that, you know, the wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's not good things that we deserve from God. Uh, we, we deserve properly God's justice, mm-hmm. but God is, is gracious to, to send his son to, to forgive us of our sin and then also on top of that, like you said, James, often, even even for, for believers and, and unbelievers, we have many blessings in this life. We, ha- we have many, many good things. Mm. You know, the, the gift of marriage and, and family and for us, the opportunity to play football and college and all of these things that, that we are just richly blessed with. And, and if we have a biblical view of of God and, and the holiness of God and our sin, like we, we recognize properly that we actually deserve none of these things, yeah. but God is, is gracious to give them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that should, that should bring us to worship. So I think, you know, you know, part of this, part of the implications of the gospel, first of all, is the way that we view ourselves. We, we should, we should have a more humble view of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we, we think about humility, I know C.S. Lewis has a quote that's really helpful. He says, Humility is not to think less of yourself necessarily. It's not to like self-deprecate and think like extremely poorly of yourself, but it's to think of yourself less. Mm-hmm. It's to think about yourself less and, and maybe even in the way you do things, to do things for yourself less, mm-hmm. to live a little bit more selflessly. And, you know, we think about the example of, of, of Christ and in, in Philippians 2, Paul y- really uses this, but the incarnation of Jesus, like like that, hi- him coming down from heaven and the glory of heaven to, to live as a servant to us, mm-hmm. you know, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, all of that. Like that is an, an obvious, like, like that obviously should lead us to humility mm-hmm. and, and to considering other people more highly than ourselves yeah that, that's kind of the that's the way paul puts it right before that passage is you you in humility you ought to consider others more significant than yourself yeah and i, and I want to make like a an important point here too is like humility is not just like thinking that you're worthless and, and like a, a piece of garbage like no as a human being you're made in the image of god and you have infinite dignity worth and value because you bear god's image and you're important. And then the next step is being adopted into his family and, and the humility that that brings. I think of like, if humility is the epitome of godliness, pride is the epitome of sin. And we see that in the garden and the original fall. And so like, as the Christian, our life should be marked by this. It should drive us to greater godliness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, kind of, kind of the first part that the gospel automatically, should influence the way we view ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and, and of course, part of that as well is that the gospel should influence the way that we view God. Mm-hmm. So I think often when we come to the Bible or, or you know, if we grew up in a, in a certain church or uh, in a certain theological tradition of sorts, it can be common for people to conceive of God 
as almost like a demanding tyrant dictator mm-hmm. who just gives a bunch of commands um and often we might we might conceive of those things as being arbitrary they're 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 different mm-hmm. than what the world tells us we should do L- like god's god's commands for uh how to live in his world that he created often look different from what society around us tells us mm-hmm. how we should live L- like his commands for marriage for example often look different than society's view of marriage and his commands for serving other people or for loving your enemies often look differ different than the the common wisdom that we're told in our day mm-hmm. but when we think about god and when we think about the gospel and how it should affect our view of god when we look at god mm-hmm. we we see pretty clearly that god is not an uh, an arbitrary demanding tyrant in heaven commanding us things w- without purpose but instead we see that god is is a loving father mm-hmm. who sent christ to us to, to 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 actually save us out of our desperate situation and to call us to himself and that that actually should affect the way that we view god's commandments as well mm-hmm. because we know that god's commandments and, and and us keeping god's commandments is not what accomplishes our salvation you know it, it kind of flips the script like often when we think of religion we think in terms of um we think that the the sequence kind of follows this way if i if i obey god i will be accepted by god Mm -hmm. and the gospel kind of flips the script on that and instead it's i am accepted by god because of christ therefore i will obey god yeah amen It, it kind of flips the script on that so when we when we think about god and when we think about um god's commands we should view them differently and, and we need to know that god didn't god didn't just give us he, he didn't give us these commands for us to earn our eternal life mm-hmm. but god actually gives us commands because he loves us mm-hmm. and his commands are blessings to us and the bible talks about them this way you know if you think about like like when when you view um the commands of god in the bible you know, you, you think about, uh, there's there's a couple Psalms, for example, that describe the Torah, w- which is the Old Testament law. Mm. And it describes them as being a light to our eyes and like a lamp to our feet. Like it, like it gives us light in a dark world and helps us to know how to live in the world that God made rightly. Mm-hmm. Like God, God is the one who made this world. He set it in order and he has given us instructions as to how to live properly in his world you know when we think about like like the book of proverbs for example is a really good example of this mm-hmm. it, it's wisdom for living in god's world that he has made and, and for living rightly actually to to mitigate against the unnecessary suffering that we cause in our lives it's in sin in many other things so when, when we view the commandments of god in the bible we need to know that, that they are actually a blessing to us mm-hmm. and good for us. And that, and that it, it helps us to live rightly in God's world, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. I want to jump back to your earlier point about how the gospel can should change the way in which we view God. Um, whether it be you grew up or you lean towards more of thinking God as like a tyrant or thinking of God as like Santa Claus, um, the gospel changes how we view God. And, and in this way, there's multiple ways to think about this, but one on top of my mind right now is thinking of God as, as a father. You had mentioned that Jackson mm-hmm. and how earthly fatherhood is a reflection of a heavenly reality of God being our father and how, when you see a father loving his ch- children and loving them well, it is supposed to paint a picture of what God is like to us. And, and then you look at, I'm just thinking of John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Think about an earthly father, if you're a father out there or even if you want to have children someday, think about you giving up your son to be murdered on a Roman cross and how that displays the attributes of that father. And in the same way with God. We know God is a merciful, loving um sacrificing God when we look at the gospel and see how he gave his only son to die on a cross because he loved his enemies and he loved the world. Yeah. And you know, even 
I think even, even thinking about this, when you think about <clears throat> in terms of trying to trying to obey God to earn his favor, uh-huh. like like that is like that that is that is like thinking that um you know, if you if you think of uh, an earthly father, it it's it's almost as twisted as thinking like I have to like like if you're a father out there, maybe this will make sense. Um but I think I know where you're going. Yeah, yeah. If if you're a father and looking at your son and you think mm-hmm. Okay, if my son doesn't keep all these commandments, I I can't love him. Yeah, I mean that that's a ridiculous <laughs> notion. If my son's not perfect, like I'm not gonna, not, I'm not gonna love him. Yeah. But the the love of a father loves that son regardless of um, his inability to be perfect or his inability to keep all the commandments. Yeah, essentially. And you know, I I want to make a point on this too. The way, and I just want to be careful here. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about the grace of God and, and the mercy of God, and then that's right. But but there is a way kind of to misunderstand that in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and when we think about um, Christian living and when we think about the gospel, there's kind of there's kind of two ends of a spectrum where, where we can think wrongly about God and, and about the gospel. You can think about like you're driving a car down a road and there's two ditches right on, on either side of the road and you want to avoid them so on the one hand when we think about christian living and about salvation there's a lot of people that can fall into what we call legalism okay and legalism is the idea that you know if if i don't do these things whatever it may be certain things uh there's certain you know you could say christian churches that have different views um if, if i don't do these things then i'm not actually a christian Mm. so for example like if i don't i you know you could think of some churches this is what i often think of you you have to wear a suit and tie to church Mm. and and if you don't do that like you're going to be looked down on in the church or something like that or or anything wrong with wearing not that there's anything wrong with that (laughs) but but there's some churches out there that say you must do this Mm. or that say you must you must you know in paul's day it was circumcision Mm. You, you must be circumcised in order to be a christian or you could say you know you have to be you have to be baptized. If you don't, if you're not baptized, then you're not a true Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the, and it's the baptism itself that, that saves you. So this is some, some examples in our day, or we can think like if we're, if we're disobedient in some way, or if we're not living a perfect Christian life, we might begin to think that God is displeased with us yeah. or that, that God doesn't love us or that we're not actually true Christians. Mm-hmm. Those are some examples of legalism. And that is, specifically something that we need to avoid when it comes to the gospel we are saved by faith in christ and by the work of christ mm-hmm. by by the grace of god um and by faith in christ not ne- not by the works that we do right mm-hmm. but on the other end of that spectrum the other thing that we need to guard, guard against is often referred to as antinomianism and that's a kind of a long word antinomianism i'll explain it so anti just means like no and nomos is a greek word for law so essentially means no law so when we when we view god and we talk about the grace of god it does not mean that we can just live however we want Mm -hmm. just because we are not saved by our works does not mean that we are free when it comes to sin does that make sense yeah let me just read romans 6 because it literally like talks about that exact thing so romans 6 um verse 12 let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness but present yourselves to god as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to god as instruments for righteousness for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law but under grace what then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you know? Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And goes on and on. But the point is that because we are under grace doesn't mean that we can just go on sinning and doing whatever we want. No, we were once slaves to sin, but now we're called to be slaves of righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. There should, there, there, there should be something fundamentally different about us understanding the gospel, uh, and especially understanding sin. And like, 
that the Bible, and, and it does this well, but it, it balances greatly, and you see it there in Paul's letter, but it balances greatly the line between proclaiming the gospel mm-hmm. and proclaiming uh, the work of Christ and, and the grace of God and the fact that we are saved not by our works, but by our faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. It, it, it does that extremely well and, and consistently. We are saved in this way, uh, and it's by the grace of God. It's not by our works. But at the same time, you find you know, Im- imperative commands all over the Bible about repentance of sin mm-hmm. and about walking in, in, in newness of life. And, and, and actually that like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of, of first John, but there's a lot of examples in there where, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, that there's grace, but it's also like commands to stop sinning. Uh-huh. You know, for example, I'll think of, I, I'm looking at first John chapter two, but I'm going to read uh first John chapter two. It says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And now I want you to notice this part. Verse three. And by this, we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Mm-hmm. So y- you see the example there. Th- this is in, in no way denying that the gospel is by grace and that it is through faith and mm-hmm. it's not according to our works. But what it is saying is that a true and genuine faith will produce true and genuine good works. Mm-hmm. We're, not, we're not saved by those works. But the true faith produces good works. Yeah. I th- when someone, when you're born again, and, and we can look at both of our lives and say like, okay, this happened. Yeah. When the Spirit of God gives you a new heart, like we talked about Ezekiel 36, the name of this podcast, takes out your heart of stone, gives you a heart of flesh. You go from loving your sin mm-hmm. to loving God and loving his commandments. And the mark of a true Christian is that slow and methodical um, movement from loving sin to loving God and his commandments. And the Christian life should be a continual growth in, in such a way um, that we are fleeing from our sin and loving God. And so if you say that you believe in Christ and, and you love God and want to follow him, yet you love your sin and you're living like the rest of the world, then there's, there's a reason to question that. Yeah. And the Bible makes that clear. Yeah. You know, you, you think of, and this is another example from Jesus, but this is perhaps more plain than anything. Jesus says in John 14, 15, mm-hmm. if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Yeah. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. There is a direct correlation and connection between loving God and obeying God. Mm-hmm. And there, there is no room to escape that. And it, regardless of what you may claim, about your love for God, if, if, if it is not backed up by the keeping of, of God's commandments and actually by desiring to obey God, mm-hmm. then that is an empty profession. Yeah. That, that is an empty profession. It's the same thing that, that James says, he's, he's, or uh, that John says, he's asking this, or this hyp- hypothetical question. He says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Mm-hmm. Whoever, like, like it's one thing you can say that, yeah, but that doesn't mean that it's true. That, that that's an empty profession of faith. You, yeah. you you may say that, but unless you unless you your actions demonstrate that you have that love for God, then it is an empty one. And and you know, like 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 you said, James, like this, this isn't perfect. This yeah. isn't going to look perfect in our lives. <clears throat> um, this doesn't mean that we're 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 never going to sin, yeah. but it does mean that there should be growth in our lives that we should have a different relationship with the sin in our lives that we shouldn't love the sin in our lives but we should desire obedience to god yeah and i think of like reflecting on my own testimony um like for those of you who don't know um i came to college as as a non-believer um was a college football player lived like a college football player and you guys can just about imagine um what that is 
um, drunkenness, sexual immorality, whatever you name it, I was probably in it. And I, and I love those things. I love them. I love to do them. And once I was born again, I hated those things. I hated that. Um, and I wanted to flee from it. And now it wasn't like a snap of a finger and I all of a sudden had just eradicated all these grotesque sins from my life. It took time and time in the word and prayer and conviction in my own heart and older and godly men speaking into my life. But the things in which I used to love, I now hate. And that's the mark of a, of a true believer. Yeah. I think you were, you were reading earlier, but Romans 6, also Paul, Paul uses this example. He says, um, you know, you have gone from slaves to sin mm-hmm. now to slaves of righteousness. So, so the thing that like, like before you were controlled by sin, love sin. And, and now it is actually like, like you're controlled by the righteous commands of God. Yeah. Uh, and, and your conscience is now like, is now bound to the commandments of God. And this is good for us. Yep. Like before you put your faith in Christ and, and are born again, and, and the world is going to tell you this, that sin leads to happiness, that sin leads to joy, that, that sin will be satisfying and, and self-fulfilling. When the reality is it does the exact opposite. Sin leads to despair. It leads to heartache. It leads to brokenness. Um, and so God has given us his commandments and a way to live and to follow him in such a way that's blessing to us mm-hmm. that will lead to joy and fulfillment and satisfaction in this life. And so it, it's good to follow that. And I think in our culture, in this world, oftentimes the world's telling us a different story that living like a Christian and following these commandments, you're boring. Yeah. Uh, your life is this stale, um, <laughs> Which is, is not true. And if you've tasted the Christian life, you, you know this not to yeah. be true. Yeah. I think of uh, uh, Pastor Devin was preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going through a series in Exodus, but he was preaching um, actually about the Ten Commandments. And he made, you know, this point. And, and this is essentially like, this is the lie of all sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you see it really in, in Genesis 3. And it's kind of the lie of all sin. And it's it's what you talked about. But but the, the true... The truth of the matter is that there is a connection, a serious connection between holiness and happiness. Mm, preach. Yep. Between holiness and happiness. And, and I know that maybe the way the word happy is used in our day is maybe not the best, but I think joy is maybe a better, yeah. like, like a deep, like to me, joy is a more deep um, and serious, like, and we, we can have joy, real and serious joy, even in the midst of like suffering and hardship and things mm-hmm. like that, because because of because we know uh, certain things about God to be true, we we can have joy. We might not necessarily feel uh, emotions of happiness, but we can have real and serious joy mm-hmm. in that. And and holiness, and, and actually leads us to that. Mm-hmm. And, and sin, while while certain sin may may feel you know pleasurable for moments mm-hmm. and short times. In every case, it leads us to destruction. Yeah. It leads us to destruction. Like you, you can think of, um, you know, you know, any any person who who, you know, you can think about drunkenness, for example, as mm-hmm. a sin. Like like often, you know, sure, sure, while you're doing it, you might be enjoying yourself, mm-hmm. but you know, someday if you're, you know, the next morning, obviously <laughs> you're hungover, not feeling so good. Yeah. But someday you might be a 50, 60 year old, and you're still getting drunk all the time. Yeah. And that might have effects on your family. Yeah. That may have, have effects on your other relationships. Your health. Yeah. And your health. Yeah. Or you could think about a, uh, someone who's using drugs and, and the same way there's, they're yeah. searching for pleasure and doing all these things. But ultimately they find that like, like this is destructive mm-hmm. or you think about sexual sin outside of the covenant of marriage, which God has uh, decreed to be the place, the rightful place for, uh, sexual intimacy, yeah. and you can think about the destructive nature of that. You yeah. can think about the the effect that that has on human relationships and the amount of hurt and, and brokenness that has has come to people by by disobeying the commandments of God. Yeah, maybe this would help us flee from sin. Is to just reflect on maybe a particular sin and the earthly consequences of such sin, mm-hmm. um, as well as the eternal. Uh, but like you can just think of like sexual immorality, sleeping with people outside of marriage, sleeping with multiple people leads to heartache, sexual disease, 
maybe death. Um, and that should make us flee from that. Yeah. And we know all these things about sin and how holiness leads to happiness. Holiness leads to joy. And we know these things to be true yet in this, in this earthly life, we still sin. Mm -hmm. Um, I've, I've likely sinned on my way here. Like, (laughs) but, but it should, it should look different in some way. Correct. I think a good quote is to like, as Christians, we are called to live in the world, but not live like the world. As Christians, we are called to live in the world, but not live like the world. I know, um, Paul Washer talks about like, don't smell like the world. Don't look like the world. Don't act like the world. Live like God has commanded us to live. And it, and it makes so much sense. The creator of the universe has given us commandments in such a way to live the manual on which to live. Yeah who created us and it's for our well-being mm-hmm. but in our pride and in our sinfulness we think that we have a better manual that we we know a better way to live yeah uh, i hate my sin <laughs> yeah well and and it does so often bring destruction yeah um, uh, so yeah i mean i i mean we, we kind of are bouncing around a yeah. lot but what you should take from that um the gospel should change the way in which you live. Yeah, it should change the way you live. Yeah. And, and we need to guard against one, you know, legalism on the one hand, yeah. uh, w- which says that you must do these things in order to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, antinomianism, which says, you know, you, you can do whatever you want. It doesn't really matter because yeah. we're, you know, you know, God is gracious. And, you know, if we view that, if you, if we view God that way, you know, that, that clearly demonstrates that we do not love God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that we do not love God and, um, like like, like John says, for the person who who does that, they are a liar and the truth is not in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a reflection that you may not actually be a Christian. Yeah. So so how do we do this? <laughs> yeah. So you know the last, you know we mentioned, um, you know I want to I want to put up this for just for just thought as well. Yeah. When we think about the Christian life and we think about the commandments of God that, you know, we, we look at the new Testament and they're boiled down to, to essentially two. all of the other commandments of God boil down to two things, which, which Jesus talks about. And the first and greatest command is the, is that, is that you should love God. You need to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And by the way, when we think about morality, that is the, that is the highest moral duty that we have mm-hmm. as humans. Our highest moral duty is to love God. That is the thing that is most proper and most right for human beings and, and creatures made in the image of God is that we should love God. Mm-hmm. And it is from the love of God, from a love for God, that all other commandments follow. So for example, like Jesus lists as the second greatest commandment that we are to love our neighbor. Mm-hmm. And in order for us to properly love our neighbor, we need to understand the love of God. You know, First John later in that letter, he says, we love because God first loved us. Amen. So even our capacity, our ability to love our neighbor needs first to be rooted in our love for God. Mm-hmm. It needs to be that. That is what flows from all our other commandments. So, think, so maybe think about that and think about in, in the way that you live your life, is it motivated by love for God. Mm-hmm. And and I want to make this point too is like you said in 1 John, it's because he loved us first. Like an analogy I've heard at Jeff, this is from you I believe. But like think about two cups and you have this cup of God's love pouring into your cup and overfilling into love for others. That th- this love that we now love God and love others comes from God's displayed love in the gospel, in the way Jesus Christ died for us on the cross. Not because we were lovely, not because we deserved it, because of his great mercy and how that should drive us to love. And yeah. that's the Christian life. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. So, so godly living, living a Christian life mm-hmm. needs to begin with, first of all, understanding the gospel, mm-hmm. but also love for God. Yeah. If, if you think about it like, uh, like a train moving down the tracks or like a car driving down the road, it, this is the, today. yeah, this is the, <laughs> this is the engine <laughs> which should propel the Christian life yeah. is love for God. Most of all, mm. that is, that is the highest moral duty that we have. Yeah. You know, that, that actually used to be like, it used to be a common argument for atheists, uh, to say that, uh, against Christians was to say that they can do, there's, there's no moral thing uh-huh. that a Christian can do that an atheist can't, 
can't do mm, and and there's that. some that don't do but but they they really miss the mark on that because first of all god is the one who defines morality yeah and the greatest moral command is the love of god mm. that we are to love god and and from that flows everything else that we do yeah and it, and it needs to and you know even you know paul says in later in romans that whatever in our lives does not proceed from faith is sin yeah so when our actions aren't motivated by the love of god if they're motivated by you know th- you think about and you know our motives are always mixed but think about yeah. like if i'm if i'm doing a good thing and my motive behind it is that people would praise me and that they would see it mm-hmm. then then that like that becomes sinful it's like a dirty it's, rag it's yeah it's not that's not that's not a moral good work mm-hmm. it's done without any reference to god yeah. and it's done for self and like we just, we just need to be careful of that and know that like a love for god and and seeking the glory of god that is that is a moral duty for us. The chief end of man. Yeah, that that is the that is the chief end of our purpose is to to glorify God and, and to enjoy Him forever. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so I hope that's helpful. Let's let's move on. The last part, maybe this will be you know encouraging. We talk about some of these things and and it seems like that's a tall order. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that goes on there. So uh, the the last part we want to talk about here is what is the role of the Holy Spirit in this? You know, we talked about. We talked about how God is triune in nature. That means that God is a trinity, mm-hmm. that, that he is one in, that God is one in being, but he is three in person. And we need to recognize that in salvation and in the way that God deals with us, it is a trinitarian work. S- salvation is the work of a triune God. So, so that means that Father, Son, and Spirit have different roles in that salvation. For example, the Bible speaks of of the Father, uh, you know, decreeing or planning our salvation and Him sending the Son. It's, it speaks of Jesus as accomplishing our salvation um, and as being a mediator for us between 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 God the Father and 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 man. Mm-hmm. That's kind. Of, I think that's First Timothy two five. God, there, there's one mediator between God and man, and it's the man Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, so the Son is the one who actually accomplishes it, and then the Spirit is the one who applies it. So, so w- when we talk about, um, you know, you know, the the Bible gives certain works to the Spirit, such as regeneration, uh, the renewal of the mind, those kind of things, and, and those are kind of big words. But but that describes how God actually changes our hearts and our minds mm-hmm. by His Spirit, and and like this is something. This this is not like that's not something that's optional for being a Christian. Like, like when we read the Bible, the spirit is the defining factor of actually what makes a person what a Christian. Life. Yeah. And, and what gives life. And, you know, we think about, you think about like a, you know, if, if I were to go around the street in Fargo mm-hmm. and, and it may be decreasing today, but if I were to ask, just poll people on the street, who's a Christian and who's not, mm-hmm. uh, you, you'd probably come back with about 90% of people that say that they're a Christian, that they believe in, in the Christian God mm-hmm. that, that profess to be believers in Jesus. But does, the question is, does that automatically make someone a Christian? What, what is it that defines yeah. someone who is a Christian and someone who is not a Christian? And the Bible is pretty clear that it's not a profession of faith. It's not claiming to be one. You know, you think about, you think about Matthew seven, for example, and Matthew seven twenty one, and, and Jesus says, not everyone who calls me Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. He says there will, and, and this is a, a pretty serious and solemn reality, but he says, there will be many who come to me on that day and say to me, Lord, Lord, mm-hmm. did we not do these things in your name? And Jesus says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. And that's a scary reality, but but it is not like a profession of faith claiming to be a Christian does not, does not define someone as a Christian. Mm-hmm. And... and Actually, I'm going to argue, and I think the Bible makes this clear, that it's the Spirit of God that does. Yeah. The distinguishing factor between a Christian and a non-Christian is the Spirit of God. And I'm going to go to, a, there's a few places that, that highlight this. I don't probably have time to cover them all, but you know, if you look at John 3, for example. Um, John 3, you have this guy, Nicodemus, who's a Pharisee. Uh, he, he's one of the most, he's a religious person in Israel. He comes up to Jesus, it says, in the middle of the night, uh, and he asks Jesus a question. And Jesus gives him this response. But I, I, want to, I want you to think about this. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And, you know, you probably heard this before. Nicodemus says, you know, well, what does this mean to be born again? Do I enter into my mother's womb? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jesus is kind of, you know, Jesus does this a lot, but he takes a physical reality and he makes it a spiritual reality. So Jesus is saying, it's not enough that you're born physically. Mm-hmm. You need to be born spiritually. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of the picture that he's giving. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. And now, maybe maybe that's a little bit confusing, but I think this will be helpful. So Jesus says water in the spirit. And, and when he does that, he's really pointing to, uh, and James, you mentioned this earlier, but Ezekiel 36. Uh-huh. And Ezekiel 36 uh, is an Old Testament prophetic book, but it's looking forward to um, salvation that God is going to accomplish in Christ. And I'm going to turn there. And I'm going to read in, in verse 25. It's talking about this thing that God's going to do. And that's that's the name of this podcast. But, uh, but I'm going to read it here. And we're going to see, like, first of all, the need for the Spirit. And then kind of what the Spirit actually does in our lives as well. Verse 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you. And that, that's kind of where we get the water water thing from yeah, in John 3. Said, yeah. And that, that, that's really pointing back to, like, Old Testament. Uh, that, that's a ritual of purification. Cleansing, yeah. yeah, consecration, yeah. cleansing. That, that's the idea. I'm, I'm going to clean you from your sin. I'm going to purify you. Um, so it says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. There it is, clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes mm. and be careful to obey my rules. So what's the goal of this? God is giving us this new spirit, one, to cleanse us from our sin, yep. but also it says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is for obedience to God. Yeah. So what's the causing agent? This is the spirit. The spirit. Yeah. yeah. This, this, we, we, we can't obey God apart from the spirit. Yeah. The spirit is a defining, it, it is what makes a person a Christian. Mm-hmm. The spirit is what makes a person a Christian. And I'll, and I'll give another example, and this is perhaps even more clear, but yeah. Romans 8 you know, it, Paul has this dichotomy in Romans 8 between those who live by the flesh, that that is without the Spirit, mm-hmm. and those who live with the Spirit. And, you know, uh, th- this should be as clear as anything, but um, in Romans 8, 9, Paul says, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Mm-hmm. And that's really clear language. There's really no way around that. The, the, the defining factor of what makes a person a Christian mm-hmm. is the Spirit of God. Like like Jesus says, to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again, mm-hmm. right? And, and inherent in this is there is a our our problem in the gospel. Our problem is deeper than just the fact that we've sinned, yeah, and offended God. Our problem is that it's not just that we've sinned, but it's that we love sin. Yeah. And that we're slaves to sin. You know, Jesus says in John 8, John 8, I think it's like 35, somewhere in there. Anyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Yeah. Anyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And like, we, like, like that's just the reality of our nature. Yeah. We, we need God to do this work in us. And, and outside of the spirit of God and the gospel, we're dead in our sins. Yeah. Ephesians talks about it. And I think of like, an analogy of this is like John 11 with Lazarus. Mm-hmm. Lazarus is in the tomb for four days dead. Can a dead man obey God? Yeah. Can a dead man glorify God? No. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, roll away the tomb. And Lazarus sisters are like, no, no, no. This is really going to stink. Like he's been dead for four days. And Jesus says, roll away the tomb. Lazarus, come out. Mm-hmm. And Lazarus lives, and that I believe can be a reflection of, of a spiritual reality. God, we are dead in our sins, and God says, "James, Jackson, come out, yeah, and live, and live, mm-hmm. and be born again." Here is my spirit to obey me, to love me. This will be the driving factor and the causal agent for your love for me now. Yeah. And that's one of the most beautiful things about the Christian life. Not only does God save us. He then gives us his spirit to obey him. Yeah. It's like, 
wait, what do I do in this? <laughs> yeah. And we, and we do have a role for sure, but God gives us everything we need for the Christian, for Christian living. Yeah. Salvation and obedience. Yeah. And the, the spirit, like, like in Ezekiel 36, the spirit gives us a new heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it, it, it transforms our mind as well. Like, like we, this problem runs deep. Mm-hmm. And, and when the Bible talks about us outside of Christ, like when Paul does it, like he uses that term. He says, you were dead in sins. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's, it's meant to give a, a picture of your condition yeah. outside of Christ and without the spirit of God, like being, being dead in sin. Mm-hmm. And I think another good example of this is right after Ezekiel 36 is Ezekiel 37. And Ezekiel... What's that? <laughs> it said it makes sense. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah obviously. <laughs> but I mean, what happens in Ezekiel 37? And in Ezekiel 37 after this, Ezekiel has a vision. Yep. And it says he's, he's in the valley of dry bones. And God says, and like dry bones, meaning they've been dead for a long time. Yep. They're dead. And God asks Ezekiel this question. He says, son of man, he refers to him that way. And he says, can these bones live? Mm-hmm. And Ezekiel kind of gives a funny answer. He says, "Oh Lord God, you know." So if you ever, like if you don't know the answer to the question, you you can just say that, "Oh Lord God, <laughs> you know." Ezekiel had some he saw some crazy things. If I was in his spot, I'd probably say something similar to that. But he's having this vision. And then in the vision, God tells him like to speak to these bones mm-hmm. and that they're going to live. Like proclaim the word of God to them. Mm-hmm. He says prophesy to them and they will live. And in the, and in the vision, he begins prophesying and, and the bones take on flesh and they, and they, and they live, uh-huh. they, they become living and animate and alive. And it wow. says that the spirit of God breathes in them. That's what it says in Ezekiel 37 is that the, the spirit breathes into them and they have life. Mm-hmm. And that's a picture of what Ezekiel 36 is talking about. Mm. And, and it's a, it's an, it's an image for us. Wow. It, it's like a, you know, you know, Jesus walks around on the earth and it's a graveyard. Uh-huh. Of spiritually dead people yeah and he speaks and in the same 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 today when we preach the gospel it you know we, we talked about in one episode the gospel has the power of god for salvation when we preach the gospel when the word of god is really preached when, when you have a, a church that's doing that there are spiritually dead people that live mm-hmm. and the spirit of god gives life mm-hmm. to dead hearts and it causes people to to be made new it causes people to be made new praise god yeah, I you know I think uh, this is just okay. Th- you know I don't want to just overwhelm with verses, yeah. but this is all over the Bible. <laughs> yeah. I mean this is everywhere. You think about like Second Corinthians five seventeen. I think it is. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Yeah. The old has passed away, and the new has come. Yeah, the Spirit is the defining factor in a person being a Christian or in not being a Christian. Mm-hmm. And what when the Spirit comes, it makes a person new mm-hmm. there, there is something fundamentally new about a person a new heart and, yeah new nature a new nature a new relationship yeah. with sin uh new the, relationship with god yeah the, the desire to uh to sin fades and the desire to be obedient to god comes and and you know again romans 5 it says that by the spirit of god the love of god has been poured into our hearts mm-hmm. the love of god so, th- and this sh- this should be, this should be an encouragement to us as well. Yes. Um, th- this should be an encouragement to us be- because when we talk about being obedient to God and loving God and uh, obeying God's commands and living a Christian life and all those things, that that could sound like a bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, that 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 could sound like a tall task. That's hard for us. Yeah. But we know I- if we have a good biblical theology and a good understanding of how this happens, we know that. Not only is this something that like that we we press on in, but we the spirit of God is able actually to change our hearts mm-hmm. and to renew our minds and to aid us to love God and to obey God. Yeah. So and and when sin is is bogging us down in our in our Christian life, what we need to do is ask God for His Spirit to work renewal in us, to give mm-hmm. us strength to give us motivation, to give us power to overcome such sin. And the Christian life should be marked by that. And I think of like the Martin Luther quote, and this ties into repentance. He says, 
the Christian life should be marked by repentance. All of the Christian life is one of repentance, Martin Luther says. And when we go to repent of our sin, to turn from our sin and turn to God, we ask God to give us his spirit, to work renewal in us, to give us strength and power and motivation to love him over our sin. Yeah. And you know what? I think all this ties pretty well to the, you know, to the conversation of humility as well. Mm, Yeah. Like we, we need to view the gospel as primarily a work of God. Yeah. And not that I can just like pull up my bootstraps and be like, I'm going to defeat this sin. Yep. Like I, I need God for salvation. I need God for obedience. I need God so that I can love him. Yep. Amen. And I think, you know, the, the, the day comes, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when Christ comes back or we die, when when we, when we walk around, when we walk around (laughs) the streets of heaven yeah, and there's nobody there that looks back on their life and has the ability to say like, man, I really did it. You know what I mean? Like, like the gospel is structured this way that the glory of the gospel Mm -hmm. belongs to God. Mm -hmm. The glory of the gospel belongs to God and the salvation of the people of God belongs to God as well. Mm-hmm. There is there is no room for human arrogance in in the, the biblical view of salvation. Mm-hmm. There's no room for it. Yeah. And and even in our our Christian walk with God, like of course there's like like we we are are challenged uh, and and encouraged that we need to to press on and to fight against sin. Fight the good fight. Yeah and to fight the, and to do all of these things. And, and certainly like we're not we're not like coerced into into good works or coerced into reading the Bible and these things, uh-huh. but this is the spirit of God works renewal in us. Yeah, it works renewal in us and it aids us in, in our fight against sin. And and it, and it works like we can't give ourselves a new heart. That is something that the spirit does. Yeah, and we can't renew our minds by ourselves. That is something that the spirit of God does in us. Yeah, and it equips us and empowers us, and that should be an encouragement to us. Yeah, that we are not left to ourselves in fighting against our sin. Yeah. So, so praise God for that. I think, you know, that kind of, I mean, that, that was a lot and it yeah. was kind of jumbled. You know, it's really hard to talk about living a Christian <laughs> life in, in one episode of a podcast, but yeah. I, I hope, I hope this has been an encouraging thing. You know, it, I think we're going to conclude this episode, but as we do, you know, something just to, to be considering and thinking about is what, what, what humility looks like mm-hmm. and, and what the cross means about how we should view ourselves, how we should view God, how we should view the Christian life, all of those things. It's good to think about. Yeah. And also we just want to continue to encourage you guys. Um, don't, don't do this in a vacuum, you know, don't, don't do this by yourself, but, but be involved in community. God gives the, the church, you know, local churches specifically as a, as a grace to us, mm-hmm. as a blessing to us for, for aiding us in the Christian life yeah. and, and for, for the preaching of the gospel. So anyone listening to this, if you, I mean, it is a biblical imperative to be part of a good local church. Yeah, and just a couple takeaways from from the episode today. If you're a professing Christian and say you have belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ, your life should be changed. Mm-hmm. You should have a new nature that loves God and hates sin. Your your life should be slowly changing from fleeing sin to loving God. Um, and if you've never professed faith in Christ, Today is the day of salvation. Like this is good news for you that God so loved the world that he sent his only son to live the perfect life than to die on a cross for your sins and rose again, defeating sin and death and Satan three days later. And and the Bible says, if you put your faith in that, if you trust in that, you can be saved. Mm -hmm. And then not only that, you can be made right with God. And then he also gives you his spirit to be obedient to him. And that is just the wonderful news of the of the Christian life and the gospel and the message of the Bible is that God, by his grace, his unmerited favor to us, sent his son so we could be born again and be made right and have a relationship with him. And that is our greatest good. That is our purpose here on earth. That is what will be satisfying to you. That is what will give meaning to your life is yeah. to be in right relationship with God, the creator of the universe. Amen. And then to go from there and... <laughs> Now we live a life of worship. Yeah. A and life to, of, and of to worshiping proclaim God. this news yep. to the world. And, and that's the motive behind this podcast. Yeah, it is. We want people to know Christ. Yep. Yeah. 
and and to to know the love of God and the yeah. peace of Christ that surpasses knowledge, mm. and that's a reality. Yeah, um, and, it's and real, man. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. So, I think that'll wrap up this <clears throat> podcast. I mean, just just a few things, like we said. Um, please consider, you know, finding a local church. Also, you know, maybe this is all right now. For real, I mean that this is the last thing <laughs> I'm going to say. Okay. But part of the Christian life too. Uh, if you have this good news, mm-hmm. then you 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 probably must and ought to feel an obligation to share this good news with other people as well. Yeah. And that that's sometimes difficult. And that looks like uh, it's not always straightforward. Yeah. But but asking people questions. Yeah. Um. You know. You know. Pointing them to their need for the gospel. You know, just just having spiritual conversations with people, yeah, and, and trying to understand their worldview and, and the way they think, and and um, ultimately pointing them uh, to the work of God in Christ. Yeah. So be encouraged to to share this and and to talk about it, and um, you know, it, it's the preaching of the gospel that has the power for salvation. Yeah. And sometimes that comes through a, a pastor. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that comes through a friend. Hopefully, sometimes that comes through a podcast as well. <laughs> and <laughs> and I'm, gonna, like I said, I'm gonna tie it. I'm gonna tie it right back to the episode. Be encouraged that is the, it is the spirit of God that will give you the boldness and the courage to enter those conversations. Yep. Amen. Well, for real, we're going to wrap it up now, <laughs> but thank you guys for listening. Uh, I hope this podcast has been a blessing for you. Um, yeah. And I hope you continue to listen. So thank you guys. Uh, we'll see you again sometime soon.